Hello and welcome to Danielle's Book Retorts. Oh, you're muscling me out, huh? <laughs> Sam's not available today. I'm going to tell Explain. a story to yeah. myself. <laughs> oh, I'm so surprised this happened, me. <laughs> I didn't see that coming with this thing I read a few minutes ago. <laughs> this premise really doesn't work with one person. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'd love to see you try. I do a stellar job at pretending to be surprised at the thing that I read. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media finds with your friends who are just perplexed by what you're doing. Yes, that's certainly true. Always. As evidenced by Danielle just now. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you changed it up, Sam. <laughs> Gotta keep you on your toes, Danielle. Can't let you get complacent. <laughs> so, for this week, Danielle, I am very excited. I have brought for you a book. Not a new book, but an old book. It is the 1967 book by Dodie Smith called The Starlight Barking. Is that the sequel, prequel, whatever, 201 Dalmatians? It is. Woo! I'm so good. Ooh. Have you read it? Uh, no. No. I know it exists, but I have not read it. Good. Well, I'm, so, I'm, I'm very impressed you know it exists, Danielle. Are because you? well done you. <laughs> But a little bit. I did not, not many people would know this exists. But it's a phrase out of 101 Dalmatians. I talk about it all the time. Every time I hear do dogs barking at Twilight, I'm like, oh, it's the Twilight barking. <laughs> that really stuck with me as a kid, apparently. Wow. You remember that movie more than I do, which will be good for you because this book makes a lot of references to the first one, which I'll get into. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but if you don't know anything about this book, that's good. All I will say is it's insane, and not just because it's a very weird book, but because the context it is a sequel to 101 Dalmatians, which is a relatively grounded story. Again, I never read the book 101 Dalmatians, but at least from the Disneyfied version we're all familiar with, it seems like a fairly grounded in reality story, slightly fantastical with the talking animals, right? Right, and the villain who murders puppies. Well, I mean, people murder puppies, Danielle. It's an unfortunate <laughs> fact. I'm just saying that's not like a supernatural thing. It's not. I'll give you that. So that's all I'm saying. And to get you started, I'm going to send you the description for this book, which is long, but tells you nothing about the insanity contained within. So Yay, enjoy. we love those. That is long. Dodie Smith's The 101 Dalmatians, later adapted by Disney, was declared a classic when first published in 1956. The Starlight Barking, Dodie's own long-forgotten sequel, aww, yeah. is a thrilling new adventure for Pongo and his family, lavishly illustrated by the same artist team as the first book. As the story opens, every living creature except dogs is gripped by an enchanted sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. There was no question mark in that, y'all. <laughs> That was me. That was all me. One of the original Dalmatian puppies, all grown up since the first novel, is now the Prime Minister's mascot. Oh, living it big. Yeah. Go, Dalmatian puppy. Relying on her spotted parents for guidance, she assumes emergency leadership for the canine population of England. Awaiting advice from Sirius the dog star. Is, is that a 
famous dog? No, it's a star, An actual Danielle. star? It is serious. The dog star. Oh, no. Dogs <laughs> of every breed crowd Trafalgar Square to watch the evening skies. Message they receive is a disturbing proposition, one that might forever destroy their status as man's best friend. Why is there a talking star? Oh, uh, Danielle, I'll be honest. I'm halfway through this book, which I'll be sharing with you today. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I told you this thing goes off the rails immediately and just keeps careening down that cliff. This is good. Okay. Let's do this. All right. So let's open with chapter one of The Twilight Barking The Mysterious Sleeping. Ooh. So this book opens with a several page summary of the events of 101 Dalmatians. Again, I didn't read the original book, so. Some of this may be in the movie that I've forgotten, some of it isn't, but I'm just going to highlight a few things I thought were maybe a little odd. Okay. So first off, Cruella DeVille had imprisoned the dogs when she kidnapped them in a place called Hell Hall, mm-hmm. which after the dogs are all rescued, the Deerleys move the entire family to Hell Hall what? and say, hey, here's where all that trauma happened. Let's go live there. And they don't rename it. They just keep calling it Hell Hall. I don't remember that in the movie but (laughs) that does seem very traumatizing to those poor little puppies and do they remodel it i i don't know it doesn't really go into detail but to pick old farm area yeah right (laughs) and again i don't know in the book maybe it was very nice but probably not with that title (laughs) no that that's what i'm getting at (laughs) change the name that was someone's last name maybe maybe so many of the dogs they grew up they got married they had families that's and what it says in the too. book. Yeah, no, marriage is very big in this book. There are a lot of like gender norm reinforcing things in this novel, which is strange for dogs. Well, at but... the end of 101 Dalmatians, don't uh, Pongo and Purdy don't they get married when the other okay. ones get married? Also, uh, the other ones. I remember the dog names. I don't remember the human names. I'm going to be honest. It doesn't matter. They're just called Mister and Mrs. Dearly, as far as I can tell. There you Point go. is, Perdita, not Pongo's wife. Okay, that is a dog named Mrs. M I S S I S. It's Mississippi without the ippy. Without <laughs> the ippy. So his wife is named Mrs. Perdita is another dog who I think is married to Prince, who is yet another dog. Okay, Point is, a lot of dogs. Well, I would hope so. In a sequel to a hundred and one Dalmatians. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is the name Perdita applies to a different dog, not the one that they changed it to in the movie. And the name in the book is Mrs. That okay. confused me for a good five minutes. So anyway, they moved to Hell Hall. They had a bunch of dogs and they're like, well, this is too many dogs. We can't handle all these dogs. So they started just selling them. Like they had this, they basically created a puppy mill in this place. Well, what else do you do with 101 Dalmatians? It is ludicrous. And they're all very famous. Everyone knows the story about Cruella de Vila, the puppies and the the Great Rescue. And so they start like having people come out and they stay in a little hotel and they get to know some dogs until one of the dogs is like, okay, let's go with this one. So they have this whole process with this weirdly charming puppy mill. (laughs) Well, I mean, at least it's weirdly charming not just yeah. a puppy bill. <laughs> so now we cut to one morning when Pongo wakes up and he's like, oh gosh, I, I must have woken up quite early. I don't hear any of the dogs barking or other noises going on. So I'm a little like before everyone else. And he's feeling a bit wistful. 
So he, he's thinking about, like, we had all these adventures, and now I've, I'm set for life, I'm happy, everything I need, but I do kind of miss the excitement. Sure, sure. So he's having kind of like a midlife dog crisis. As as one does. <laughs> right. I don't know, he just is. He just, just, what's happening? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. So he's a little confused that no one else is awake yet, and he, and he, and he wakes up his wife, misses, and he asks her, hey, can you, like, tell me the time, please, read the clock over there? Because apparently, she can tell the time, well, he can't really. Mm-hmm. And she's very proud of this fact, and she looks at the clock and says, oh, it's, you know, know sometime like pretty late and he's like what i i must have overslept why is no one else awake yet and they try to wake up their pets the dearlies by licking them and you know biting them gently and shaking and they just won't wake up and neither will the two cats that are also there and so all the cats are asleep the humans are asleep they just can't wake them up oh no i know and so Mrs. is just sort of like confused by all this. She goes out and looks at a window and she's like, hey, Pongo, come here and listen for this. And Pongo's like, well, I don't, well, I don't hear anything. She's like, exactly. There are no birds. Everything's so quiet. It's a creepy silence. <laughs> As all silences are. They're like, what do we do now? Pongo's feeling a little lost. He's like, it's been a long time since so I've had to make important decisions. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> out of practice because he's been living a lapdog life, essentially. But eventually they figure they have to go down to the to the barns, the stables, which have been converted into a kennel to get the puppies' food and the other dog's food and all that kind of stuff arranged. How do they do that without opposable thumbs? Well, we'll get to that. So (laughs) at this point, the book inserts a dog fact. So you have crab facts. I'm going to have a dog fact for you. Dog facts. (laughs) Sam's dog facts. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It's not that exciting. There's only one. (laughs) Aw, Sam's one dog fact. <laughs> exactly. So this dog fact is some people believe that dogs need only one meal a day and they can manage with this provided the meal is a large one. But the Deerlies thought two meals a day made a dog's life more interesting and the Dalmatians were offered a good light breakfast and a good weighty dinner in the late afternoon. Puppies, of course, needed as many as five little meals a day. So first off, who's as many people who think that dogs only need to eat once a day? Well... If your dog serving size is whatever, most people feed twice a day, but let's pretend that you wanted to feed them once a day and your dog serving size is one cup twice a day. I guess you could do two cups and call it good. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on how your dog ate. Some dogs like walk by and eat and then walk away. Some dogs chow down all of it in one go. Sure. All right. I don't know much about dog feeding habits. I just remember we gave our dog food twice a day or three times a day when they, when we ate, they ate and it was fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've done a lot of dog sitting in my time, and almost all of them are twice a day. Yeah, all right. So, dearly, you're not special. All right, it's all good. Though I don't know about pup uh, so much about like tidy puppies if they need really need five times a day, but it makes you wonder if they literally spend their whole day around these puppies because five times a day is a lot of time. Well, I'm assuming little puppies can nurse. Is the point? Sure. So they're not like feeding them; they're nursing five times a day. That would be my guess. How little are the puppies? I guess they're nursing age puppies. Uh, Are there there more puppies? How are these puppies not older yet? I thought this was after 101 Dimensions. You know know what happened with dogs? They make more dogs, Danielle. They just have like an unlimited supply of dogs at this point. Well, they had 101 to begin with, and you do the math on the exponential growth of population from there. Sure, but I would hope that they had some kind of crowdfunding source where they managed to get them all spayed or neutered, and then they didn't have more puppies. Nope. nope, These dogs are just having a ball, and they're they're selling the puppies. That's a terrible idea. (laughs) 
They're like free-range puppies. Yeah, pretty much. And so, anyway, Mrs. and Pongo, they run into Perdita and Prince, the liver-spotted Dalmatians, whatever that means. And they're like, all right, we're going to go look around, see what's up. Can you go to the barn and like keep the other dogs calm if they wake up and are freaked out by the fact that no one else is awake yet? And so as they go downstairs, like, how do we get out of the house? We can't operate doors. But the door just happened to be left open for them a little bit. So they just go outside. That's convenient. And they go out towards the gate. They want to go explore in a bit. And the gate, the big iron gate in the fence that surrounds the house is also open, which is also very convenient. Is it suspiciously convenient or is it just convenient? Well, it opens as they approach. And after they go through it, it closes behind them. It's a magic gate. (laughs) (laughs) Why is Way this so, off. what is this, is this like the Beauty and the Beast castle? What's going on? Oh, not even close. <laughs> so uh, Mrs. and Pongo, they go off to find the sheepdog, the general, who helped them out in their previous adventure when rescuing the puppies. That takes us to chapter two, news from Downing Street. And Mrs. and Pongo are walking down towards the other farm where the sheepdog is, the general. And they're talking and they're like, hey, wait a minute. I don't feel hungry or thirsty. I just feel fine. And they're like, wow, I guess there's no need to eat anymore. Right? No need to drink. We're just satiated magically. There, okay. So there is an <laughs> enchantment of some kind that has made people sleep. Yep. And everything sleep. Not just humans, okay. ducks, birds, everything except dogs. Everything except dogs, which is like, sounds like a mastermind plan of a dog somewhere, but okay. Uh, <laughs> a dog that doesn't want to get fed. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter because they're magically satiated. Well, that's, yes. How convenient that doors open for them now and they don't have to eat or drink. They're just magically taken care of. Does this, I mean, you may not know. You're not done with this book. Does, <laughs> does it ever explain the magic of like why this is happening or is this just something that is i'm gonna tell you right now danielle i don't know okay <laughs> it is a mystery that might or might not be answered by the dog star <laughs> i don't know uh, i forgot about the talking dog star thank you for reminding me <laughs> oh it gets a lot weirder than that is the talking dog star in charge of the enchantment <laughs> Danielle, it, it I don't know. Like You're asking me questions plan. I don't have answers to yet. <laughs> okay, if anybody could pull off some kind of weird uh, heist enchantment where dogs get to rule the world and live the high life but don't actually have to eat, it seems like Sirius the dog star. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've never spoken to Sirius. I've never Well, he's celestial Sirius. power. Like, uh, who else could pull that off? It's not like some random dog down the street unless they have some kind of – are they working with a witch? Danielle, again, you, you were asking questions Sorry. that I didn't have answers to. You're, you're asking me to tell you how this book ends. I'm, I'm halfway through it. Okay. Sorry. Continue. All Magic right. gates. Just, just got to go with it for now. It's all a mystery. So they find the sheepdog and – he is moving pretty easily. Like, he's old, but he seems to be moving them really quite quickly. I was going to ask, like, isn't that sheepdog ancient by now? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And so this is a great line because it says, In the days when he had helped to rescue the Dalmatian puppies, he had been a colonel. Afterwards, with every justification, he had made himself a general. <laughs> well, which, yeah. Great. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm going to start assigning stars to myself, too. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, well, I helped rescue those puppies. Now I'm a general. <laughs> La-dee-da, put a medal on my chest. <laughs> that's how I go about life. And so that's great. And he's like, oh, yeah, everything's the same here. Everyone's still asleep. All my my uh, cat friend, the lieutenant or whoever, is also asleep. The pigs are asleep. Everyone's asleep. And he's like, well, I do have one question. Can you help me with something? So I want your opinion on my pets. The pets are, of course, the humans. 
And he turns to Mrs. and says, I'd like a female opinion on young Tommy. And I'm like, all right, well, 1967, fine. <laughs> we'll give it a slight pass. <laughs> it gets weird. <laughs> So they go and check on Tommy, who is a, a little boy. That's about all I can tell you about him. He's eight, maybe ten. It's unclear, but he's fast asleep and just as content as everyone else. All the humans who are sleeping, they have little smiles on their face. Everyone thinks they must be dreaming something nice. So everyone's a little bit reassured by that. Is that what he wanted help on? Uh, he wanted them to check on Tommy and say, hey, what do you think? Is Tommy look okay to you? And they're like, yeah, he looks fine. He couldn't make that decision on his own. He needed he the female, female opinion. persuasion. Yes. <laughs> Apt when they hear a bunch of barking, Danielle. The well, eponymous Twilight barking. Well, there's only dogs left, so that's yeah. all you'd hear. Which is a chain of barking that usually runs from London to wherever it needs to go. Yes. I'm well aware of the Twilight barking, Sam. <laughs> well, you're not aware of this Twilight barking because they run outside and they hear, who is it? It's Cad Pig, their daughter who went to go live with the Prime Minister. <gasps> You mean the, the the plot that I read about earlier is coming true? <laughs> well, they're surprised because London is something like 60 miles away, 60 some miles away. And they're like, how are we hearing Cad Pit barking all the way from London out here in the countryside? That is a completely... How do they know her bark? It's like you, they know her voice, Danielle. Okay. Like... Uh, if someone was talking pig. to you, you're like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. Cad Pig. What? What do you, what's it's wrong a, with no, that name? It's, just, it's a name. It's quite <laughs> the name. <laughs> Look. It's a name. It's not a very flattering name, but it's a name. <laughs> I wonder if that's a, some kind of regional name or if that's just something random that she came up with. It sounds like a mashed together of cad and pig, which are two unflattering things. It makes so. you wonder what she was like as a child. <laughs> right. So now we have a brief flashback where the book explains how Cad Big became the Prime Minister's puppy, where she'd always been sort of headstrong and always wanted to sort of leave the farm and, you know, become big and famous. Had dreams, Danielle. She had doggy dreams. <laughs> Dogs with dreams. And so when Mr. Daly had been called to 10 Downing Street to advise them on some financial matter, because in this book, he is an accountant or something, something boring, not a musician. Sure. Cad Pig sort of snuck along with him and then basically jumped into the prime minister's lap and wouldn't leave him alone. And so they said, okay, yeah, you can have her. She's yours now. <laughs> We're trying to get rid of these 101 plus Dalmatians. I guess, something like that. So after this, the prime minister went up and gave a speech on television. And that's when Cad Pig finagled her way onto the stage just at the end of it and jumped into his like arms or lap or whatever, made herself prominent at the end of the speech. And this totally skyrocketed his popularity, seeing him cuddling this cute little puppy. Oh, well, Not a puppy. She was a, a young dog, but still. That seems realistic to life. Yeah, it would be realistic. I'm like, yeah, okay, this track. I mean, magic, sleeping, sickness, whatever. Dog <laughs> making politicians instantly likable. Totally, totally fair. That's why they use them. <laughs> and at that point, it became trendy for all the cabinet ministers to get their own dogs to follow suit of the prime minister, but none were as prominent or as sort of well-respected as Cad Pig, and she became quite famous. She loved appearing on TV, and all her family was very proud of her for making it big in government. <laughs> so that's a little backstory on Cad Pig, and she's barking to her parents all the way from London. They're like, wait, that's crazy, because it required nearly 500 dogs to relay a message from London to the countryside, usually. Unless there's a magic enchantment. Well, or she's there. <laughs> Cab explains that this has happened all over London, this, this or all over England, this sleeping sickness. I've had dozens of reports, but she hasn't been able to get in touch with 
dogs outside of England yet, though she's working on it. She's trying to get like to the the continent and to America and all those kinds of things. And they're like, wait, then how are you communicating with us? And Cat Pig says, well, it's not a bark exactly, but it's more like a a thought wave. We're like psychically barking to each other. Oh, sure. So there's an enchantment <laughs> and now psychic communication. Right. So she's like, yeah, we can bark over as we, uh, to any distance we want. We can communicate through infinite distances because dogs are now linked in a collective consciousness of psychic dogginess. They're like uh, pre-Borg. <laughs> yeah, okay, like a Borg collective, <laughs> but they still have their individualism. <laughs> Great. Is that a pre-Borg before, before they become full Borg? <laughs> <laughs> a full uh, a full Borg Borg? Uh, anyway, so they're like, okay, uh, that's weird, but I really need your help. Can you and mom come and bring an army of dogs to Downing Street. Like a literal army of dogs, that's what they call it. And I don't know why, but she's like, I don't know what's happening, but I just want to be prepared. So gather up an army of dogs and come to Downing Street. Now this feels like nepotism for one. Like why are you calling your daddy to come and bring an army of dogs to you? She does. Is he the most qualified person to bring an army of dogs? She works, quote unquote, for the government. You think she'd have a lot of channels where she could get an actual army of dogs. There probably is a dog army. If there is a self-proclaimed general, there is a self-proclaimed army somewhere. <laughs> you would think. But she's like, nope, dad, gather up the Dalmatians and other dogs from Hell Hall. And mom, I need your help with the social aspect. I have all these delegations coming in from all over England. And I need you to help me schmooze with them, basically. Okay, to be fair, there is an entire hall full of dogs. So in terms of expediency to get the word out to as many dogs as possible instantaneously uh, and have them all be in the same space and be able to travel together, this hall is probably the best place to go to. Your ha- yeah, father just happens see- to own it. <laughs> no, that's BS because about to see – these people can strictly broadcast to every dog, like a like a PA system. Sure. So there's really no need to focus your energies in one location. But you can just in-mass them if they're all there. They all mass anyways. You remember from the description, all these dogs, they come to London anyway. That's you true. meet up in Trafalgar Square. Okay. I don't know, Sam. I was just trying to be helpful. <laughs> Look, I'm saying it's nepotism, Danielle. It's pure and simple. And you'll find out. <laughs> I was not disagreeing with that at all. No, I'm just saying there's some weird, like, elitism among the Dalmatians here, which we'll get to. I feel like Dalmatians probably are a little elite. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay. Uh, No comment on that one. (laughs) I'm just saying Dalmatians are known for their slightly feisty personalities. It seems like they would have some elitism. Could be wrong. I'm sure there are lovely Dalmatians out there. I've known a few. <laughs> anyway, so she's like, yeah, you and mom will come to Downing Street. You can leave Prince and Perdita behind to guard the dearlies and take care of the farm with the people who aren't coming, the mothers and the puppies who aren't going to come to Downing Street as part of the dog army. It'll take you a few hours to get here. And Pongo's like, wait, a few hours? Are you crazy? It took us like two days to run those 60 miles previously. Do they have magic running powers now? Oh boy, Danielle. No, why? It's just made up rules now, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Better. Catholic's like, hey, did you know that you can fly? No. Yes. Hard pass. We're we're stopping the (laughs) podcast. She goes on to explain that she was like so worried when she woke up, everyone's asleep, that she dashed down the stairs. She found herself floating down the stairs and she go much faster just by thinking about it. And she calls the effect swooshing. Sure. Yeah. Why not? And so basically, it's not really flying. It's more like, as they say in the book, hover dogs, Danielle. <laughs> hover dogs. 
Okay, I don't... This has to be serious. the dog star. They can flow... Like, he has some kind of master plan to Why make them he, all... Why are you gendering the star? <laughs> to make them all stars or something. Like, they're slowly merging into a star consciousness. They can float. They can float? They are yep. apparently the only things in existence now. They don't have to eat. They can communicate psychically, telepathically with each other. They're turning into stars, Sam. That is the plot <laughs> well, of this book. I, I didn't realize that stars had all those attributes, Danielle. <laughs> they do in this book. <laughs> <laughs> According to you, who okay. does not know what this book is If this is about. not the end of the book, I would be surprised. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so anyway, Cabig's like, you can totally float, try it, and Mrs. picks up right away. She's like, oh yeah, it's really easy to swoosh around. Yeah. Pretend you're that hovercraft you saw on TV and think about it. And so as soon as you think about floating, you can float. What if you accidentally thought about floating? We'll get to that, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Kappa explains that the Minister of Transportation has been timing them. They can do about 30 miles an hour, so that's pretty cool. But maybe they can go faster, but they've agreed that's our speed limit. So, you know. Okay. Question. Yeah. This just started a couple hours ago, right? Yeah, this morning. So somehow in this couple of hours, they've managed to do speed trials. Yep. Uh, get the word out to the other dog. They're very busy at the ministry. I mean, she's a very efficient dog. Apparently. The politician. Okay. <laughs> And so they're just like flying around. And so they ask Cadpick, hey, is everything the same with her? Like, are dogs hungry where you are? And she's like, nope, none of the dogs here are hungry, which is a blessing because, you know, we can't open refrigerators <laughs> and cabinets and tin cans. So how the heck can we feed all these dogs? So how convenient that nothing needs to eat or drink. Yeah, that's good. Good news for the dogs. And then she says something about this whole business is metaphysical. And don't you agree, Father? And he's like, I don't know what metaphysical means, but sure. Yes, of course. Might be metaphysical. Let's go with that. <laughs> and so she's like, okay, fine. We know what we're going to do. Go bring a strong force of nations with you. We'll form a private army, which you will command, Father. Again, nepotism. <laughs> and we still need plenty of our own breed, which feels like... Wrong. Yeah. It feels like Dalmatians <laughs> are the only ones you can trust because they they're our own breed. <laughs> oh. We'll get to that later. It gets way worse than that. That's sad. Uh, also, so it's not like they have any kind of negative influence that they're currently fighting against as far as they know. So is no. the plan to just pull together this army and then hang tight until something presents? Well, that's pretty much it. So they're like, why are we making this army? Who are we to fight? And they're like, we don't know. The enemy you don't know is worse than the enemy you do know. So we're just trying to get prepared. And she's like, that ah, doesn't make any sense. The enemy you don't know isn't there. And I'm like, all right, missus, <laughs> you are cute but naive. I just, if they can telepathically uh, speak and they can float super fast, you think they could just have everybody at the ready and if something happened, converge instead well, of- Well, they want to have everyone sort of organized. Like you said, you want to bring all these, dis you don't want the, the, the army spread over, you know, hundreds of miles. It still takes them, you know, hours to get to London. It's not like they can just teleport. Well, no, at least not they yet apparently in this book. can go at least <laughs> over 30 miles per hour. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. So they, they they hang up their conversation with Cad Pig and they go back to the farm. They're just like, that was wild. Like, I don't understand what's happening. Pongo is very confused. He's a very rational dog. And Mrs. is like, don't worry about it. There's lots of very complicated things in our brains. I'm sure it's just something weird like that. Like, you know, telephones work by communicating with This is why can't dog brains. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And so she's like remarkably sanguine about this whole thing. Well, what else could you do? She's really the most rational of the bunch. She's just letting <laughs> letting it go. Like, okay, this is happening. What do we do? I'm a flying dog. No, let's do this. <laughs> That would be my reaction. It would be like, what are you going to do about it? You can fly. Okay, you can fly. Yeah, it'd be great. I mean, you got to sort of roll the punches. So this takes us to chapter three, the meaning 
of metaphysical. Oh, good. So Pongo and Mrs. return to the farm. They see that all the other dogs sort of gathered up. None of them are hungry. None of them are fussing. They're all very calm. Not even like any fights or arguments or like stuff. They're all just completely well-behaved, perfectly behaved dolls, like oddly well-behaved. Dun, dun, dun. This is when Mrs. discovers on her way back that she can swoosh while sitting on all four legs. Like, just like sitting. So you can like, I just love this image of a sitting hover dog <laughs> flying around a field. I mean, the most comfortable way to travel, let's be honest. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Like, Maybe she can lay down on her back and just like... <laughs> I just, Sleep. A dog just lying down, zooming around. <laughs> It's it, it's really a pity the illustrations don't show that. <laughs> so they find the other dogs and they're like, okay, hey, do you know about swooshing? We're going to have a swooshing class in a little bit and I'm going to take some of you back with me to London because Cadpig called. And they actually heard the conversation with Cadpig because apparently this psychic link is not directional. No. It is just sort of like barking very loud. That seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, no kidding. Whoever's in charge of this metaphysical nonsense should have planned this better. <laughs> Well, so while Mrs. is holding the swooshing class, Pongo takes Prince away. So they have a uh, a little discussion. And again, I just love that it's called swooshing because every time they say swoosh, it just sounds amazing. <laughs> so Pongo's like, how are we going to divide this up? Because all my own family is going to want to come. And he's like, it's great that Lucky has chosen a wife as bright as he is so that I don't mind bringing her and her kids. And Patch will be nice. This is like the name dropping of all the previous dogs. There's Lucky, there's Patch. But... Here's something interesting that they mention. Quote, Patch had never married. He had found out that, for the good of the Dalmatian breed, he ought not to hand on his patched ear. So, doggy eugenics, anyone? Oh, that's concerning. I'm deeply concerned. <laughs> maybe, okay, maybe Cruella DeVille was yeah. doing us a favor. <laughs> yes, because these seem like Nazi dogs. I'm sorry to say that. Like, I know that's like a, a big acquisition level, but we have... A dog calling for an army of her own breed and not wanting to let their brother reproduce because of his patched ear would somehow taint the Dalmatian bloodline. Well, Sam, as usual, you've managed to find a charming piece of media and make it as dark as humanly possible. I I made it dark, Daniel. I'm just reading what's here, which is literally that this dog decided not to breed for the good of the Dalmatian bloodline. I mean, I'm not the one who wrote that. (laughs) I am deeply, deeply concerned by this novel. (laughs) Yeah, it puts a whole new spin on everything, doesn't it? Yeah, now I kind of feel like I need to watch the Cruella movie. Maybe this is the take. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be amazing. Realize the Dalmatians are actually army of racist dogs. They go on to disparage Roly-Poly a little bit, their other son, who is fat and clumsy because, I don't know, fat shaming or something. Aw, poor Roly-Poly. But they hear a commotion as Roly-Poly crashes into a hedge during the swooshing class, and they go back and see what's up. And there is an illustration of the dog practicing swooshing. I will send it to you because it's hilarious. I want to see it. All right, I will send it to you. Actually, right now, Danielle, you can tell our lovely listeners what you think of it. We love to make this non-visual medium as visual as possible. You can share it on Twitter. I, if you like, I will do but that. I just want you to enjoy the majesty of this rather poor photo of this novel illustration. I, uh, they just kind of look like they're jumping. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and they're not like hovering far off the ground. They're just literally like skimming the ground. I'm disappointed that they, yeah, like the, the, it could definitely could have the dogs like floating higher to make it clear that they're not just running. Uh, (laughs) But I really enjoy the little baby puppy that is on his back. I feel like he is my my animal, my Dalmatian, because that would (laughs) be me. Everyone's flying around. He'd be lying there. Yeah, that would be me as a Dalmatian is like, can I float on my back? (laughs) 
Man, it's it's uh, so confused already. So they go back to the swooshing class, and Punk is like, all right, time to divvy up the troops, and all his own family wants to come, and everyone's like, yeah, that makes sense, and all the ducks are very well behaved for some reason. There's no arguing or squabbling. And then he and Prince sort of like pick teams like in dodgeball, like, okay, you're coming with me, you're staying here to guard, you're coming with me. Who's Prince? Prince is the... Prince is Perdita's husband. Okay, so there was Mrs. and Perdita? No, Mrs. and Pongo. And I know Mrs. and Pongo are the, the dearly The main dogs. Couple, right. And then who's yeah, Perdita? Yeah, and then the liver-spotted Dalmatians, Prince and Perdita. They may be couples, they may be related. It's not clear. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. But they are always paired up in one way or another. So all the dogs learn to swoosh just real easy. But it doesn't seem that hard if all you have to do is think about it and float. I know. And it's like, well, that's convenient. I mean, the person teaching the class learned about it three hours prior, so. So it's at this point, as they're going inside to say goodbye to the dearlies, that Mrs. Remembers, she had a dream last night that was very odd. Uh-oh. Now, it says, as a rule, Mrs. dreamt about food, because dogs. <laughs> In good dreams, jam tarts grew on trees and chocolate drops came down like green. I'm like, wait a minute. Chocolate rain seems like a death sentence for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a terror. That's a nightmare. <laughs> So maybe the dog fashion in this book should not be listened to, is all I'm saying. Or maybe in the dream she could eat chocolate, so it's actually not a nightmare. That's probably the, the better explanation, Danielle. <laughs> so she explains her dream as there was this dazzling bright light, and that's all I can remember. So that's helpful. Again, dazzling bright You cannot convince me at this point, Sam, that this is not some evil plan by Sirius the Dog Star to make more stars. I don't know if it didn't make more stars. I don't even know if it's evil. Obviously, the Dog Star is involved in some way because in the description, Danielle, but I don't know if it's the instigator or just sort of a, a bystander at this but point. But a giant bright light. I'm just saying the facts are adding up, Sam. <laughs> facts, right. This <laughs> Dog facts, facts are adding up. <laughs> Well, uh, Pongo's reaction to her telling him this dream is amazing because he's like, uh, perhaps we'll come back to you. But he, he like hopes it doesn't because while he enjoys telling about his own dreams, he doesn't like to listen to other people's dreams. Uh, I was like, all humans ever. <laughs> I know. I was like, he's just very like, I, I hope it comes back to you, but I really hope it doesn't because I really don't want to hear about your boring dream, Mrs. <laughs> Especially if it's just there was a bright light and I woke up. <laughs> As someone who shares a lot of their dreams, because I'm aware, <laughs> because I have a lot of dreams, <laughs> I'm we sure people dreams, do Danielle. not want to hear share them. them. <laughs> <laughs> I share them anyway. I don't care. I can have You're a podcast where I share dreams. <laughs> That's how many dreams you can I do have. That. You should do it, Danielle. I'd love to see you go solo with your Danielle's <laughs> dream reports. Somebody out there would listen to my little five to ten minute spiels about the weird dreams I have every night. Yeah, your mother would for sure. That's true. <laughs> it's just like your mother way. might. <laughs> you know what? She's really nice too. She probably would. Awesome. And she would tell you how what a wonderful job you're doing. Obligation to listen to my dream podcast. <laughs> no, she would genuinely enjoy it because it's you. Aw, <laughs> your mom's so nice. I know. <laughs> we have great moms. We do. <laughs> so at this point before they leave pongo wants to look up the word metaphysical in the dictionary because apparently he can read oh yeah and the way he learned to read was alphabet blocks he played with as a kid i was really i really honestly thought you were gonna say alphabet soup i don't know why i was very <laughs> disappointed at the end of that sentence <laughs> No, it's not Alphabet Soup from regular show. This is Alphabet Blocks that a dog learned to read from, which is amazing. Like, toddlers can't learn to read just by playing with Alphabet Blocks. Like, this dog is amazing. But the dog, like, toddlers as they grow up have resources that dogs do not have to learn how to read. Yeah. So I feel like that was very resourceful on the part of Pongo. Yeah, but my point is, 
how can just looking at alphabet box teach you to read? There, you don't like have words. Uh, you have to make them yourself. So how do you make a word if you don't know well, the word to make? Well, maybe it's a combination of like books around the house and TV shows and stuff. Maybe he just made the connections. Well, if that's the case, savant, it is not attributed to anything other than alphabet blocks. <laughs> it's impressive. I, I give him full credit. So they go into the library and luckily there's a bright light that just happens to shine on the dictionary book and when he knocks it off the shelf, it falls open to the exact page he wants. How convenient. I hope that none of these things actually have a reason. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> pure coincidence that there was a bright shiny light on the dictionary. Maybe. <laughs> so they read the definition and they're like, oh, what does this mean? And Mrs. like, I think metaphysical means like a magic. It's like a magic comes from our own minds. So like we're open to open these doors because we want them to open. We're open. We're able to talk to Cadpig and Swoosh, and it's all just metaphysical. And Pongo's like, I, I don't get it. And she's like, Don't worry about it. You'll get it someday. And he's like, Maybe I'm too rational, and she's too feeling based. But like that's his excuse. He's like, He doesn't really get it because he's very rational and she's very like feeling based, and he relies on her instincts because he's a very thinky dog. I'm like, All right, these gender norms in dogs are getting a little heavy handed for me. <laughs> That's when Pongo's like, all right, well, we can get going now. And he tries to put the book back on the shelf, but it won't go. Like, it won't just float it back on the shelf magically. Did they read the definition? Sorry. Yeah, they did. We talked about this. Well, you just, they were talking about what uh, it Mrs. Meant. They read the definition. She's like, hey, it's this. Okay. It just means like, of our thoughts of magic or magic thoughts. And he's like, I don't really get it. I thought you meant that's what she thought metaphysical meant, not what was her takeaway No, that's takeaway what she interpreted the, the definition as. Got it. Yeah, that was the dictionary. <laughs> dictionary. They, they debated what the dictionary said to them. <laughs> Got it. So they try to put the dictionary back up on the shelf. It won't float. And this is like, oh yeah, that's because it doesn't need to. We don't need it to go back on the shelf. So it won't go back on the shelf. Okay. That seems like an exhausting way to live. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so they just shove it under a couch and like, all right, job done. We'll come back to it later. Like, I don't need that pencil to go back where I keep the pencils, but it sure would be nice if it wasn't on the counter. <laughs> So now we come to chapter four, Danielle. The Great Swoosh. The Great Swoosh. I do like the chapter names. I'm going to give her credit for these. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So they gather 50 Dalmatians who they're taking to London, and they all line them up in a big old row, and they swing out through the big tall iron gate, and they swoosh out. At first, they start out slow with 13 rows of four Dalmatians, and then they slowly speed up, and they're all just sort of keeping pace very easily with Pongo, who's sort of like the, I don't know, the Grand Marshal, whatever, leading this parade of puppy army. Oh, well, he's probably a general. I mean, if you can just give yourself your own designation in life. <laughs> well, Pongo didn't do that. That was the sheep. Dog who's the general. I'm just saying, his daughter just said he was in charge. He's probably like, I'm a general now. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it. You're a general? Well, I'm a, I'm a super general. <laughs> I'm, I'm an infinity plus one dog general. that ever dog general. <laughs> <laughs> okay. General Mills. Wait, no. Uh... <laughs> So they stop by the farm and they run into the sheepdog and he's like, oh yeah, just so you know, I swoosh the village and back and I recruit some other dogs. They'll, you'll pick them up on your way to London and, and grow your army a bit. And they're like, okay, cool. Thanks a bunch. Why is he even bothering traveling to get these? Why doesn't he just like send it all call out and say, hey, everybody, come over here. I don't know. Maybe he can't really figure that part out yet. <laughs> or maybe it's like really annoying to be constantly yelling a million miles in every direction. Like, wouldn't that be just like crowded airwaves? Maybe. Is everybody using it or is nobody using it? Unclear. <laughs> I feel like everybody would be using it. 
Probably. He also picked up a new lieutenant as a Jack Russell Terrier who is feisty and may appear later. So he has a lieutenant, but he is not, doesn't have any kind of title. No, the the, the general picked up a lieutenant oh, okay. while he was- I thought you meant Yeah, Pongo while he did. was in the- So he had the cat, Mrs. Willow, who was his previous right. lieutenant, and she is asleep because she is a cat. Poor kitties. And so he picked up a Jack Russell Terrier to be his new lieutenant. Excellent. Got it. So they line up again. And Pongo, after gathering up all the new dogs who come to join them, is like, all right, everyone ready? On our mark, a quick swoosh. And that's how they go. He just commands quick swoosh. And it's funny as heck. I love it. I'm going to start saying that when we're like walking out the door. We're like, okay, everybody, let's go. Quick swoosh. <laughs> quick swoosh. It's really good. It's really good. Get in the car. Quick swoosh. And so the way they go faster is they just think faster and faster they go. And if they want to go forward, they just think forward. Oh my gosh, it's like walking. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> except like psychic walking, but hover dogging, it's great. Swishing, Sam, swishing. And that's when Roly Poly accidentally like goes backwards and crashes into the dog behind him. <laughs> that's my life. I'm like, Roly Poly, you miscreant, you accident prune pup, what were you doing? He's like, well, I heard you guys talking about how you thought forward to go forward. And then a backwards thought entered my brain. I went backwards by accident. I'm like, uh-oh. Roly Poly is me. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely be like, I wonder what would happen if I thought back. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. Which seems like a very, you know, tenuous way to travel. Like at any moment, if you had a stray thought, you'd be like jetting off to the moon or something. <laughs> I love this way of travel. This is my new favorite way of travel. <laughs> well, Roly Poly is admonished, as you might well be if you were in the situation, Danielle, to Keep his mind blank. Like you should probably just keep your mind blank. Don't think at all, really. That's so hard. Has anybody ever tried that before? <laughs> well, he says, "I'll try. I'll try hard." And so they start up again, but Rolly Pulley doesn't move at all, and everyone <laughs> just crashes into him. He's like, "Well, okay, Rolly Pulley, clearly keeping your mind too blank <laughs> because you didn't move enough." Uh, I love it. it. You have to do is amazing. It, you have to tell your mind that it's to do what your father's mind tells it to do. What? That's the trick, is keep it blank enough to let in your father's thoughts to tell you what to do like he's your puppet master. That's creepy. Yeah. No, it gets crazy. I'm like, wait a minute. That's <laughs> horrific. Got dark quickly. Yeah. So Roly Poly is an adult dog now. Yeah, they're all adults. And is he married? I don't remember. <laughs> if he is, the wife is irrelevant. <laughs> oh, for Roly Poly. Yeah. I hope he has a Only good life. Only Lucky's wife comes with them. Well, Lucky was kind of like think. the main dog. Or Pat. And Patch doesn't have a wife because he is- a sad little Patch a, here. Yeah, <laughs> He's genetically not him... allowed to have a wife. <laughs> yes, exactly. So maybe Roly Poly's like, they're like, mm, he's not smart enough to breed. Maybe Patch is actually gay and was like, yeah, that's the reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a secret story about like, oh, you ever hear like history about, he lived with his longtime platonic roommate and they never married. And when he died, he locked himself away for three days and cried. And everyone was so touched by their friendship. Exactly. Cause this was the 1960s. So that was, yeah. that's what he ran with. Like, oh, I, I can't get married. I have this patch in my ear. It wouldn't be good for the Dalmatians. <laughs> Maybe, but the fact that everyone else just sort of like accepts that as a oh, reasonable still terrible. reason. No, is, yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't make it any better. All right. So they pick up a bunch more dogs. They head towards London. And as they're going towards London, they hear the clock strike noon. And Mrs. is like, well, I remember that sound from when it struck midnight on our way out here to rescue the puppies. And it's, and it's a very different noise when it's striking noon. And Pong was like, not really. It's the same noise because <laughs> he's kind of a dick, which I love. I really like this conversation you and I would have. <laughs> 
<laughs> it sounds different. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I'm kind of a dick, so it works. And then Mrs. like, well, it does to me because the feel of midnight is a little bit different or something. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> I'm feeling Mrs.'s vibe in this. You are very Mrs. Dog. <laughs> a little bit. I'm a little more practical than Mrs., but I am there for Mrs. <laughs> All right, so I just really want to read this one line from the book because it's just amazing. So Pongo relaxed, and the whole army of hover dogs swooshed peacefully through the still, silent morning, stopping only when dogs were waiting to join the army. Swooshed. I just love the idea of swooshing hover dogs, like gathering an army as it marches towards London. I like the idea of looking up in the air and you just see thousands of dogs, like, floating past you. Well, they're guys. not, but they're, they're, like, inches off the ground, Danielle. It's like, you just sit like, oh, by your ankles, there they go. Are they not hitting stuff? Like, that seems like a terrible way to travel. I, I have no idea. Maybe they're following roads or something. There are no trees. <laughs> there are no trees and roads, Danielle. There are no cars on these roads. I mean, the, the world Who's just driving the them? world just shut down. Like, there's no, like, what happened? All the, okay, we haven't even talked about the fact that there were probably people driving and, like, working and, flying, and airplanes. Yeah, no, they're all dead, Danielle. They're all dead. <laughs> this is, like, the same thing that happened with the freaking Avengers movie with the, with the snapping, where... Where you're like, oh, everyone who's like flying a plane, if they, if they got if the pilot got snapped away, everyone died. Like, the same idea. Everyone's dead, Danielle. Yeah. There's so many countless deaths, hospitals, people on you know taking surgery, dead. This is basically the Dalmatian snap. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, basically. Okay. The Dalmatian snap. Ouch. So as they're on their way, they hear a thought wave slash bark from Cad Pig, who's like, "Hey, can you hurry? Things are getting cray cray over here." <laughs> the actual language from the book. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm just paraphrasing Cad Pig. <laughs> She was ahead of her time. And they're like, well, we're trying to pick up other dogs and take them to London to join. She's like, don't worry about the dogs. If they think about getting to London, they can get to London. That's all it takes. And they're like, well, okay, sure. <laughs> How come they can't wink at it out? I mean, like, we have no proof to the contrary yet that they couldn't just think themselves into another place. Apparently, they need a swoosh, Danielle. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm here for the swooshing. Swooshing. It's great. Swooshing. It's way better than teleporting. <laughs> And Captain like, I have barked information all over London that they can come here if they need to. There's a seething mass of dogs here at number 10 Downing Street. Hurry up. I really need help corralling this. How can they have to go to Downing Street? Because that's where the prime minister's – that's the headquarters of the government. That's like the White House. So they're meeting there as opposed yeah. to any other place. I mean, it's a seat of government. Where would you else be? I don't meet? know. I was just curious. <laughs> anyway, so that's like, I got to go. I'm being called. I think we may be getting through to America. Now swoosh your fastest. Look out for traffic when you get near London. So Dog uh-oh. traffic? Dog traffic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they get towards London and they're just dogs everywhere, all swooshing into London, just a, a massive them. So they have to sort of slow down and navigate their way through. But all the dogs who lived in London sort of came out and they're sort of sitting on their porches or whatever, watching the dogs arrive. Notice very calm. Everyone is just eerily calm. I can't stress that enough. These dogs are not behaving like regular dogs. They're not going wild. They're not fighting. They're not, you know, making a ruckus. They're just sitting there like, mm. Flying dogs. That's normal. Well, I mean, they worked together in the previous novel and didn't seem like they had a wild ruckus. Yeah, all the dogs in London, sure. Well, there were a lot of dogs involved in the rescue of 101 Dalmatians. The 101 Dalmatians didn't fight each other. Yeah, but that was like one night being pursued by a crazy person. This is like, hey, no parents. Let's all just be calm, you know, kind of thing. Sure. Maybe they're just very accepting as Dalmatians, Sam. Well, Mrs. Luck, it's not normal for them to be this quiet. And Pongo's like, I think they're listening. And perhaps they're learning to hear with a sort of inner ear. Creepy. Mm. Yeah. And then Mrs. thinks about how like, hey, if we're all psychically broadcasting dog thoughts, doesn't that sort of like 
destroy privacy? Like, how can we keep our thoughts to ourselves? They're turning into the Borg. <laughs> okay. Dog Borg. Dog Borg. Dorg. Dorg. Okay, great. Dog and Borg. <laughs> I got it, Danielle. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> so as they're flying through London, Mrs. spots something. Uh-oh. Behind a little house, partly hidden, there's a sign for a factory. And the sign reads, Corella DeVille & Co., makers of Close That Clank. And it's close, spelled K-L-O-E-S, and clank, spelled K-L-A-N-K. Is she in jail or something? So, apparently, no. They thought she had been driven from London or from England by her disgrace of the dogs or whatever. How did she not get jailed? Didn't she do so- She stole, she murdered things, she tried to kill some people. I think she was very well connected or something. I don't care. It was like attempted murder of actual humans, I think. And some dogs, I mean, for yeah, sure. I didn't read the book, so maybe the book is different. She bought most of those dogs probably legally. It's only the, the ones, the five or so from the dearlies that she stole because she offered to buy them but so i'm guessing she acquired most of those dogs legally okay what she was doing was abhorrent but again i don't know what the the laws against dog coat making were in the 60s in england apparently not illegal (laughs) yeah apparently but they had thought she'd been driven from london or from England, but Pongo had learned from the dearly that she had returned, but he had kept this information from his wife because he didn't want to upset her, but now he admits he knew all along that she was back. Why would she want to come back? Danielle, please. One mystery at a time. Is she in charge of this? Is she working with Sirius the dog star? <laughs> so, what Pongo says is that Mr. DeVille, apparently there's a Mr. DeVille, is no longer a furrier, and the Dearlies said he and Corella are making plastic raincoats now. Uh, uh-huh. That clank? So, I don't know why they're called clothes that clank with K's, but that's the name of the factory, so that's all I got. Okay. And Mrs. is like, is she awake? Is she behind this? And he's like, don't be crazy. She's going to be asleep like all the other humans. She's like, we're not quite sure she's human. She could be like a demon. <laughs> he's like, well, you got a point there. But the point is only dogs are awake, and she's definitely not and a dog. And we're definitely so. not going to check on this even though we're flying past her shop <laughs> they don't because they have to get to down okay, the street no they don't because there is no actual imminent threat so they could say okay everybody 15 they just got a call from Cadpig saying hey there's a mass of dogs here I need help corralling them get your butts down here immediately okay but you could send everybody but say hey you five you go check and see if Cruella Deville is asleep <laughs> we'll get to that don't worry just saying be better Pongo <laughs> Yes, go check on the probably sleeping human. But you don't know, as Mrs. stated. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you're immediately always on board with whatever Mrs. says. Not always, but so far. You're totally Mrs. in this book. Mrs. has been correct. Anyway, they all get to Downing Street. They can't get near it. There are too many dogs all crowded around. So you think, all right, Pongo says to all his dog army, everyone, think really loud at Cad Pig. Let them know we're here. And they do that. And so there's a bunch of police dogs come out and they start clearing the way and they say, all dogs of Madam Cadpig's own breed are to proceed to Downing Street. No, what? All other dogs are to proceed to Horse Guards Parade. No. Yes. So they're like, uh, Dalmatian breeds, come in. Even the ones who came with Pongo as part of the army, everyone else, uh, you're not worthy. Go away. This book is so concerning. <laughs> it really is. I told you. And Punk was like, I think they'd be upset by that, having to go to the parade grounds and be like, doesn't have to worry about that. All the dogs are wagging their tails and, and mentally cheering with cries of long live Madame Cadpig and all her Dalmatian relations. So, you know, it's okay because they enjoy being second class breeds. Apparently. This is the beginning of a dictatorship where Cadpig is in charge. You think? <laughs> So they go inside and we enter chapter five, the cabinet meeting. The cad pigment meeting. The cabinet, <laughs> great. 
So Catbig's a little bit small, but apart from that, she was the almost perfect specimen of the breed. Beautiful spots, wonderful dark eyes, and the most fetching expression. See, now everything so, course, is super creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I highlighted that especially, being like, mm. So Patch, with this Patch deer, not worthy. But she's perfect. She is the uber mental dogs. So good job, Jody Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rooting childhood. <laughs> So Cadpig is inside. There are a bunch of dogs behind her who are the cabinet. They're actually the dogs of the other cabinet ministers, which have assumed their roles. Yeah, because that's how it works. Totally. You're, against, you're yeah. fully capable if your your dog owner is like a chef. Now you are. <laughs> There's like, they start deputizing. Like, yep, you're now the deputy ex-checker. You're now the deputy foreign minister or whatever. And Catpig's like, there's even some members of the opposition party among our ranks. And we're all on the same side right now. And Mrs. is like, well, everyone should be on the same side always. Because she's naive like that, Danielle. <laughs> and then... I don't think people are on the same side always. I think discussion can be useful. <laughs> but Catpig says, but I've heard that's a catch in it. You see, sometimes everyone gets on the wrong side. Right, eugenics Dalmatians? <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> yeah. So Catpig's like, hey, mom, dad, I want you to come see the prime minister. Just, you know, for funsies, let's go take a little peek at the prime minister while he's asleep. And so they get into the elevator and Catpig's like, don't be nervous because I know how to press the buttons. But in fact, I don't need to press buttons. I can just think the elevator into working how I want to work. I just think up and it goes up. She's telekinetic now. I mean, so what we're getting at here is that the dogs basically can manifest whatever they want through psychic powers. Are they all sleeping and having a dream in mass? (laughs) That would be the best. If that book ends with them, it's like, Pongo the weekend, like, well, that's a weird dream. Well, That'd be great. Look, I'm just saying, it's like everybody's enchanted sleep. Maybe this is like an in-mass dream of all the dogs that like, they're having together. So, serious dogs are not involved. <laughs> it's just a, a sleep. Or Pongo, who was quick. complaining that everything was really boring, is having this like huge dream that he's kind of either pulled everybody into or it's just his dream. <laughs> What a disappointing ending that would be. If you, it's kind of like in Alice in Wonderland where they, or through the looking at her, she wakes up like, oh, maybe it was all a dream. That's, this like, is, well. that's how this book ends. Okay, you're making yeah, a call I'm right like, now. No. Okay, it's either Sirius the dog star and Cruella DeVille working in tandem, or uh-huh. it is Pongo having a dream. See, I think you're wrong. Again, I've read them in this book, so I'm going to guess here that it's probably Sirius the dog star working against Cruella DeVille's evil machination. But I like the idea that the dog star is actually evil and turning people into stars. <laughs> I don't think that's the plot, but I really want that to be the plot. Well, you can whoop all you want. <laughs> I'm going to put my quarters in well, those We'll chairs. find out together, Danielle. We're going to find out together. You've read the book, so I, I believe that you may actually be correct. No, you haven't read the whole book. I, know, but I haven't read, read the book, Danielle. I'm, I, I literally am sharing with you everything I've read so yes, far. Yes, but you've read like the context and tone of the book, and so you might that's you true. might better know the ending than I would. Yeah, I, ba- this book is so <laughs> wild, I would not bet on knowing anything. I would not have expected them to like, swoosh around like hover pups at the beginning of this book, Danielle. The tone does not match. <laughs> <laughs> the insanity because everyone just sort of like calm it, it, it's this weird like juxtaposition of really boring stuff like in this chapter especially we'll get to it like there's cabinet discussions and talking about politics i'm like why is all this boring dog talk happen when you have flying dogs and magic sleep why like it's crazy that we're like wasting i don't know, wasting time but like it's just so where these mundane details are given so much importance in a book full of insane things that's because her previous book was not full of insane things, so that's how she's used to writing. 
And that's why the context of this book is like, it's way crazier in context of 101 Dalmatians, which did not have flying dogs or psychic dogs. Well, you know, crazy stuff happens in the world, Sam. Okay, Danielle, don't don't go just justifying this book by saying, no, yeah, weird stuff happens, flying dogs. <laughs> anyway, what was happening? <laughs> uh, Cat Pig was psychically controlling an elevator. Oh, that's right. Telekinesis, <laughs> magically. So, yeah, she's working it by thought. She takes her parents up to the top floor to the prime minister's room. He's asleep. They poke him a bit. Like, oh, yeah, he looks a little different than he does on TV. <laughs> and there's a police dog in there. And like, oh, there's not a police dog who doesn't know about Pongo misses and the stolen puppy. So apparently they're like world famous. Oh, wouldn't you if there were 101 Dalmatians that got stolen? No, probably not. Sorry. Really? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really pay attention. <laughs> So they're talking about Prime Minister and they're like, hey, you should probably give the Prime Minister some ideas about how to fix things and you know, give him a hint about some stuff. And Catpick's like, nope, clever that he is. He can't understand me. And that's when the police dog says, that's our trouble at Scotland Yard. We dogs learn so quickly, but none of us has ever managed to train a policeman. So I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. I gotta take a moment here to understand how this works. I understand the idea of in, in novels like this or books or movies about how like all the animals share a language and they can all talk to each other and they can understand people, but they can't communicate with people. That's fine. But it starts to get a little weird now. They talk about like, wait a minute. All the dogs are sentient, right? Mm -hmm. All the animals are sentient. And and the fact that humans just can't understand them is the only reason that we treat them like animals. Yes. And it's even creepier that Cruella kidnapped them and wanted to kill them all for coats. I mean, that's one <laughs> thing. That's not as creepy as, say, a slaughterhouse or a chicken farm or a dog breeding ring. Well, like, yes, oh, yeah, you're going to meet with you him. have a story where animals can talk, it becomes very questionable as to how humans street animals and it's already questionable but it's like extra questionable when they can talk apparently <laughs> right and i get that and you have to put that aside and things like the fox and the hound or 101 missions but like this feels weirder in this book where the dogs at least again i haven't read the original book maybe the dogs were as had as much sentience and agency in the original book more than they had in the movie but in this book they seem like way more intelligent than just like dogs that can talk like they're smarter than people they learn to read they can tell time they can you know do all this stuff yes it's super creepy so anyway i had to point that out and that's just weird i could not understand like how the communication works in this book also have they tried i know the humans are asleep but have they tried like infiltrating their minds maybe if they just keep saying the same things over <laughs> and over <laughs> Maybe we'll do that later, Danielle. It's, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> they seem to have unlimited powers at the moment. <laughs> it appears so. So Cat Pig takes them back to the elevator and then stops it halfway down to have a secret conversation with them. And she's like, look, I'm freaking out because nothing's happened. Like, all this weird stuff has happened. We keep on waiting for the other shoe to drop. But... Just nothing has happened. And everyone's looking at me to lead them and tell them what's going on and why this happened. And I don't know because nobody knows because it's crazy. And she starts to lose confidence in herself. And she's like, Dad, will you please chair the cabinet meeting? I need you to, to run it because I'm losing my self-confidence. No, this is where her dad needs to say, okay, honey, let's... <laughs> well, what happens is Pongo makes the elevator move again just to show that he can. And then he stops it and he's like, look... If we think about things, we can do this. You believe in yourself and, and you'll be able to do this. He's like, you know what, Dad? You're right. And she makes the elevator go. He's like, look, I did it. I am confident again. Good. You go, Pongo. And he's like, I will speak there, but you need to be the one in charge. I'm proud of him. Being a good dad. I know, right? So they go back to the cabinet room and they look out over the streets and they see all the dogs out there. And Pongo's like, what a magnificent sight. It looks as if every dog breed is represented. And then Capic says, except Corgis. They're still all sitting outside Buckingham Palace, <laughs> which is a good joke. It's a good joke. So they get in the cabinet meeting and 
there, so getting ready. Capix says, hey, we should all have like secretaries, like private secretaries to help us out. So the foreign minister grabs a, one of the dolls as secretaries, one of the Dalmatians. Cadpig takes Patch as her secretary, and the foreign secretary takes Roly Poly. Uh-oh. <laughs> Why? Because they're like alike, because he's also an older, I think, boxer, and he's also kind of accident prone. Like he swoops in and crashes into them, into the room. So the two like clumsy, daffy dogs sort of team up. You think he might be better served by somebody who was a polar opposite that could keep them organized and like together, but I support Roly Poly having a role. Well, his his parents don't, because (laughs) Pongo says, Cadpig, I'm not sure your foreign secretary has made a wise choice (laughs) when he picked Roly Poly. Like, can you like not crap all over Roly Poly for one second? Dad. It's true. At least to his face. (laughs) (laughs) They clearly have favorites. Let's be honest. And so they're about to start the meeting when Mrs. looks out and notices that Roly Poly and the foreign secretary have slipped out and they're going through a gate in the garden and just not there. And Catherine's like, all right, guess we'll start without them, which seems wild as you're not going to have the foreign secretary there to talk about this international crisis. (laughs) So Catpick climbs up, gets everyone's attention and starts talking about like, all right, here's what's going on. You know, she lays out everything that's happened so far. And then she's like, all right, now my famous father will talk. (laughs) This is our speaker for the evening. (laughs) Pretty much, you know, and Mrs. like, oh, he remembers how Pongo gave a really great speech when they're looking for the puppies and it really cheered her up. And she's glad he has another chance to make another big speech here. And Pongo just had to decide to wing it here. He's like, "I'll, I'll figure it out in the moment. And so he goes on and on about how I think we're all ready for anything, right? So what we have to do is be prepared for some excitement. And what's more exciting than something you don't know? It's way more exciting to deal with the unknown than the known. And everyone's behaving so nicely that there's something great about this. Uh-huh. So he ends up saying, don't worry about what's going to happen. Just wait and see. Wait and see. <laughs> and that becomes the mantra of the dogs. They all start chanting dogs everywhere because he'd been broadcasting his thoughts, not just to the cabinet room, but to every dog in the, in the, in the area, in the vicinity in London. And they all just start chanting, wait and see, wait and see. So that is their plan. Uh, just, we'll figure it out. Just wait and see what happens. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm sure everything's fine. Not weird at all. And Pongo thinks to himself, wow, these dogs, they really just listen to me. They're very obedient to me. I better not abuse this later. (laughs) I definitely will. (laughs) Oh, maybe. But he's like, my God, I handle this responsibility well. That's when Roly Poly and the boxer come back in. They're soaking wet and they shake off their coats in the room, get everyone wet because they're clumsy dogs. And they basically took them for a swim in the pond for some reason. Aw, they're new friends. Yeah, to be friends. Yay. Maybe they found their little dog dog soulmates. But now the foreign secretary is back. He explains that they haven't been able to reach the Americas yet, but they've talked to a lot of European countries somehow. It's always easier to communicate in Europe when you're in Europe. <laughs> yeah, right? Because <laughs> the Twilight Bark doesn't travel far enough to reach the U.S. <laughs> well, the psychic link is a lot further across the Atlantic than it is across the English Channel, I suppose. Yes. So they go off to try to reach America. You can't use phones. You can't use phones. Got to use psychic dog thought waves. And that's when a dog bursts in and he goes, Pongo and Mrs., we have urgent news from the country, from your the general. He has astounding news for you. And that takes us to chapter six, the final chapter of today, news from the country. News from the country. Doo, doo, doo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, <Danielle. laughs> I was expecting more of a, like, local news <laughs> opening <laughs> theme. <laughs> yeah, that, like that, yeah. <laughs> news from the country with your host, the general. And special guest, Pongo and Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the window and they hear the barking of the general. But first they have to yell at everyone outside to, like, be quiet. We can't hear the general. Everyone just shut up. And they all do because obedient dogs. And so the general is like, hey, guess what? Two of the cats have woken up. <gasps> 
one of your cats, one of the Persian white cats, she's woken up, and my lieutenant cat, Mrs. Willow, she has woken up. That poor little chihuahua. What was it? That Jack, Jack Russell Terrier that got yeah. to play for like two seconds and now is thrown out because the cat's awake? Maybe. <laughs> we don't know. Also, Tommy, the little boy at the farm, also has woken up. <gasps> Shocking. So here's, oh gosh, the general has a theory about why this is. And he explains that because they had deputized the cats as honorary dogs (laughs) and that, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And that Tommy, when he and I could still talk each other's languages, which, what? We'll get back to that. (laughs) (laughs) Layers, fun, layers of terrible things. (laughs) Yeah. When So when Tom was still young, could speak dog, kind of, with the general, he had asked to be an honorary dog as well. So because these are three honorary dogs, they have also woken up as honorary dogs. It took them a little bit longer because they're only honorary dogs. They're half dogs. So many questions, Sam. Right? So first off, can you just deputize anything to be an honorary dog? Like, when you're an honorary dog, you're going to wake up during the great sleep. Also, children can talk to dogs? I assume it's like how children can see ghosts or children can uh, talk you, to fairies. Well, that's fairies. a thing, Daniel. That, you, you say like that's a thing. <laughs> Everyone knows children can just see ghosts, well, No, that's, but they that's, always no. say that like children are more susceptible to that kind of stuff. Because children imagine things that are scary. <laughs> I know that's how it well, works. in real life, yes. But in like fairy tale life or if you believe in that kind <laughs> right, of right. stuff, that's like children are supposed to be more susceptible to that type of language or open their brains are more open than adult brains no this is literally like talking a dog language and here's the crazy part tommy can talk to the general again that's weird (laughs) so now that he's woken up in this weird half dog way he now can communicate with the general again through the half dog language can he talk to the other dogs or just the general no just a general, like, he, they can understand him a bit, but it's like, it's a weird dialect, or it's like a half dog, half human. So the general who's spoken with Tom before when he was a kid gets it better than the other I dogs. I swear she's just making stuff up. It's like she just what wrote down stream of guess. consciousness as she was writing the story. <laughs> so the general's like, the cats have had a thought. We can't tell you what it is publicly, but we're going to come meet you at your old house in Regent Park. So they can't talk about it. Tommy's coming. We're going to have him drive the tractor there. Like, that's how we're going to get there is we're going to have him and the cats drive the tractor because they can't swoosh, apparently. Well, why can they wake up but they can't swoosh? I don't know. But their solution is have an eight-year-old drive a tractor. I, so, you know what? Maybe the eight-year-old has driven the tractor many a time. They mentioned that he's like been on his father's lap while the tractor drove. But they're like, wait, won't that take like weeks to get here because it's a slow tractor? Like, don't worry about it. We have a plan. I can't tell you what it is right now, but I'll tell you the tractor has never moved so fast in its life. Do they have a horse? Because that seems safer. <laughs> Well, a horse would be asleep, Danielle, uh, unless they deputize it to dog somehow. Like, there could be. <laughs> but no. And then the general's like, the white cat insists that we go first to the house where you used to live in Regent's Park. I can't tell you more than that. I'm like, wh- why? He's like, nope, can't tell you. Gotta go. Can they put the boy on a very large dog and swoosh? They thought about that, but the boy is too large. The cat's maybe, the boy's too big. Have- but there are some very large dogs. <laughs> He's like 10-year-old. He's going to be like too big to swoosh. Unless you had like a Mastiff or like what if something like What if you had a- Daniel, tractor. <laughs> they got the tractor, Daniel. It's tractor. You won't even let me problem solve because I feel like multiple <laughs> no, dogs- There's no problem to solve. They solve the problem. The problem solved with the tractor. <laughs> it's the magic tractor. I'm just saying there was an easier way than this tractor. Uh, Maybe easier, but not as cool. Because <laughs> you could- Okay, no. A swishing like little like- sedan that he could sit in that would be pretty cool <laughs> we'll get to this daniel don't worry about it so what they're doing with the tractor so they're like all right we'll see you at the house and it's just that thing where like everyone is like i have something important to tell you i can't tell you right now there's no time for that i'll tell you later <laughs> you 
know they can psychically communicate, which is insane. And that's BS. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, no, it's really annoying. So Pongo and Mrs. decide to go to Regent's Park, but first they want to stop by the zoo to check on all the other animals, see if any other ones have woken up. Uh-huh. The other honorary dogs. <laughs> or just like, what's going on? Just doesn't hurt to get some information. That's a smart idea. What about the dogs of the sea? <laughs> Seals? <laughs> yes. We're, we're done with this conversation, Danielle. <laughs> What about, aren't there other animals that have dogs in the name? Prairie dogs. What about prairie dogs? All right. So anyway, in the end, Pongo misses. They take all their family, except for Cad Pig, Patch, and Rolly Poly, who stay behind to deal with the governing stuff. Sea lions. Sea lions are the dogs of the ocean. <laughs> I'm, I'm just ignoring you now. <laughs> Sorry. So they get escorted to the zoo by police dogs, and they go inside. There are a bunch of other dogs there just being tourists, like looking at all the sleeping animals, because... Why not? Sure, yeah. And a bunch of the other dogs are like, hey, you're Cat Pig's family. It's a shame that she can't appear on television because, you know, we love seeing her on TV. And then Pongo's like, hey, wait a minute. Why can't we make the TV work? We can make the doors and the elevator, but the TV, it eludes us. So maybe that's too modern or electrical <laughs> for dogs to do an elevator. Out. I know elevators are old, but come on now. I don't know, Danielle. Maybe that's to be solved later. But when they get to the zoo, they're like, hey, wait, everything's asleep here. No worries. Even the wolves are still asleep. And I'm like, okay, book, <laughs> hold on a moment. I didn't think about the wolves. <laughs> honorary dog in the sense of a cat that's been called an honorary dog and a human that's been called an honorary dog. Those can wake up. But wolves are too far away from dogs to be woken up <laughs> by this. I, I call BS on that. I am not having that. That's some hardcore shenanigans. I agree. Yeah, but the wolves still asleep. But this is when Mrs. starts to have like these secret thoughts. She's like, has these reservations. She can't wait to get to Regent's Park to discuss it with the cats and see if they share her misgivings. And so they leave the zoo and they head to Regent's Park and they run into the general and his crew and they are coming across the bridge on a tremendous pace with the tractor. The tractor is being carried or pushed by a bunch of swooshing Dalmatians they picked up from the the Dalmatian plantation area. So the same premise that I said, but you... No, they, you said, how can he ride a giant dog? Oh, I know. Well, this and is, then I said he should get a sedan. My, a- the thing you cut me off from saying was that they should create some kind of platform or sedan that he can sit on so that they can, in mass take him there. And they decided to use the heaviest thing in the entire world to do it. <laughs> I mean, that is crazy. It is a tractor. It is a really large tractor. It seems insane. But it's going to tremendous They rate. could have put him so, in a basket, you know, like a big basket basket or something. <laughs> I guess they wanted the tractor to carry everyone. And you know, now they have a tractor in yet, which is a formidable yeah, weapon. Sure. The tractor an eight-year-old can drive. Whatever. My plan was better. But they were swooshing, and so was the tractor. The wheels weren't touching the ground. So they like magically got the tractor to float. Well, telekinesis. Yes. It became a hover tractor, in the words of Mrs. Well, maybe it doesn't matter the weight of the object to the telekinetic dogs. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at, Danielle. Tractor, not a bad choice. <laughs> okay, whatever. And so the general had been sitting up there thinking forward thoughts, which was very hard work, apparently. And I guess the dogs pushing the tractor weren't doing hard work. I guess not. <laughs> Only the general. But there's Tommy. He gets out and he's like, hi, dogs. And he's now talking half dog dog half-human, as, as he did when he was very young, which is apparently something he did, but only the sheepdog can understand him because he's had practice at it. Is he slowly turning into a dog? That would be hilarious, <laughs> but not yet. And they can't get inside their old house. Like, the door won't open for them. Like, the window won't open for them. And Mrs. is like, well, that's because we don't need to go in there. It's not our house anymore, and we don't need to go inside. So, you know, if, if needs don't must, we can't do it. Okay, Mrs. Yeah, I know. But Pongo and Lucky spend some time describing the entire house to the gathered dogs, which are their family. So, cool. And recounting the story of the whole Cruella de Vil thing. For some reason, I don't know. Because it's going to be relevant later when Cruella de Vil is somehow involved in this magic sleep. Well, so this is when Mrs. takes aside 
the cat and is like, hey, you used to live with Cruella DeVille. Is this her? Do you think she's up to this? I think she's in on this. And the cat's like, I have that same feeling. See? See? I mean, Danielle, you're saying see like no one didn't see this coming the minute her name was mentioned. I'm just involved in the story, Sam. I was really thinking that she's involved with series The Dog Star. Uh, well, you still you still stuck on that. I mean, she might be Danielle. I don't have an answer for that yet. I did think she was in jail, to be fair. <laughs> Again, I don't know what happened in the end of the previous book, so who knows? She ran out of town. She was run out of town. That's true. Apparently not jailed. So the cat says to Mrs., we must go into her house and, well, frighten her if she's there. And Mrs. takes that to mean murder. <laughs> they want to murder Quilla DeVille. I mean, that might be the best solution. I'm not saying that we should kill humans or anything else, but in this particular- Not a bad idea. <laughs> unless, unless Cruella DeVille is actually helping out humanity by killing off the Dalmatian breed, which is trying to take over. I don't know Dalmatian breed, but these Dalmatians, which are definitely Dalmatian supremacists. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm like 30% on Cruella's side so far. <laughs> Anyway, so up switches a Staffordshire Terrier, who is a very large dog who was part of the previous book. Again, every dog and character from the previous story is making a cameo, and he pops up and talks to Mrs. and the cat, like, hey, Corella DeVille, think she's in on this? So everyone has that idea, Daniel. <laughs> See? We're on the same page. I'm an honorary dog, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a good thing, given what's happening in this book. I'm not an honorary Dalmatian. <laughs> and so the cat's like, I think she's in on it. We should attack her. Just straight up murder her. <laughs> this cat my new favorite character uh, the staffordshire terrier is like sure i'm down with that i'm down with ending her she's she's evil and so pongo's like hey guys no it's not cruella Deville. she's not involved with this because that's crazy you should just leave her alone and stay away from her and uh the general's like nah let's go investigate besides i promised tommy that he could see her and like okay what just i promise taking tommy to see this evil person <laughs> It's very concerning. Also, I would love it if Corella's not actually involved in this plot at all. It would be nice, but she's obviously involved, because duh. And so they're like, don't worry, Pongo, all the Dalmatians will do exactly what you say, so you can keep order while we investigate. And then the Jack Russell Terrier, the, the little lieutenant's like, forward to kill Corella DeVille! Like, let's go! <laughs> um, and they're all about this murder. I love this plan. This is great. <laughs> And so they, they pile out of the tractor and, and they go off and they're like, there's a legal speed limit, Tommy, better just keep to it, keep the tractor from going too fast. And he's like, how? And they're like, no, just think legal thoughts, Tommy. And so he does <laughs> and it works. What a world. So also mentioned that there was a brief reminiscing where they remember breaking into Corella's house on Christmas Eve to destroy all her furs. I don't remember that from the movie, but apparently they just go in and wreck her stuff in the book, which cool. Yeah, that's probably well deserved. She's killed a lot of animals for that. They can't all be dictatorial jerk faces that she's killing off. So they get to her house, which is just a little ways from Regent's Park area, and they don't even need to worry about getting inside because the door of the kitchen swung open for them. So I guess needs must. (laughs) Apparently, now they know. So they all go inside. End of chapter. Wow, what a place to stop, Sam. Right, a cliffhanger. Will they find Cruella de Vil inside? Will she be the mastermind behind this? It's all just a red herring. I don't know. Maybe Cruella de Vil is possessed by the dog star and, and is secretly like the dog star made flesh. Or perhaps it's Cruella's twin sister, Cruella with a K, and that's why their shop is called Clothes well, with her Clanks. Name, the name on it was Cruella with a C, so that doesn't work. But I'm thinking maybe she's a doggy demon that's been like taken human form. I think it's the twin sister who's trying to capitalize on the name of Cruella DeVille. Okay. I don't think that makes any sense, but this book doesn't make any sense, so what am I to argue with that? Just saying. It's a possibility. 
So that is the first half of the Starlight Barking, which is full of hover dogs, psychic dogs, uh, dogs. lots of questions, very few answers. I'm still confused as to why it's called the Twilight Barking when they are not Twilight Barking, they're Twilight Psychically Barking. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll find out later that something's going to happen at Twilight and maybe the dog star will communicate them through Twilight Barking. I don't know, Danielle. I honestly have no clue where this is going. Like, I have read this book up to this point. And besides from the fact that Cruella DeVille is involved and Sirius makes an appearance somehow because of that description, I am at a loss to know where this it's is going. It's almost a shame that we know Sirius the Dog Star is going to be in it because that'd be a plot twist if you had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But I felt like a really good hook in the description. So I, it, it's just crazy. That's accurate. <laughs> So what questions do you still have, Danielle? Uh, I've asked so many questions. I feel I like know. <laughs> I interrupted so frequently that I feel like I've capped. Like, I don't have any further questions at this point in time. I really just want to know, the original 101 Dalmatians, maybe it's a lot crazier than the Disneyfication of it made it out to Perhaps. be. Perhaps. Like, if someone out there who's read the original 101 Dalmatians, can they, like, write it and tell us, yeah, the psychic dog stuff, the weird mysticism, all of that stuff, totally present. It was all just removed when Disney made it into a much more grounded movie. And if not, what the heck is happening in this book? I, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can't tell you. I, I cannot remember if I've read this book as a child or not, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just like super aware that the book exists and have read a summary of the book or if I have actually read the book. Or just seen the movie even. Which, which I've is... seen the movie several times as a child. It's I been know. a while. Because apparently you have the words Twilight Barking tattooed in your brain. It just, I, t- I literally said this last week. I was on a walk with my mother and there were some dogs barking <laughs> to some other dogs. And I said, oh, it's a Twilight Barking. <laughs> so there you go. Well, Danielle, I am greatly impressed by your ability to remember that Twilight Parking is a thing from 101 Dalmatians. I didn't. I don't know. The skill's got to come in somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And I am super excited to see where this book goes and to hear your summary of what I've already told you so far. Oh, Lord. I forgot we did that. It's been a minute. (laughs) Yeah. I'll give you a little warning because I feel like this book is so crazy. You're going to have to get a little bit of a head start. I'll forget. I'm not going to think about it once between now and then. Probably. But if you out there have any notions on 101 Dalmatians, the book, and can explain to me how it connects to this insanity, you can write us at bookretorts.com. And if you want to celebrate with us that we, for once, did not need a biologist, you can also (laughs) message us at Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at bookretorts. The only reason we didn't need a biologist is because all of this was such nonsense, even they couldn't explain it. <laughs> it's just the first time in, I don't know, half a dozen plus episodes that we did not, probably more. Well, it's certainly the first of the many episodes we've had that feature animals prominently that we didn't need the help of some naturalist. Exactly. So I think that's a win in our book, Sam. <laughs> all right. Well, go us. We have found a book that's so crazy, even science can't explain it. <laughs> Woohoo. All right. Well, and I'm going to be thinking about that until next time. Bye. Take care, everybody.
I am super excited to see where this goes. I really want Cruella Deville to be deeply involved. I, do too. I really want her to be working with the dog star. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> it would be hilarious. I really want there to be some like weird cosmic showdown between Cruella <laughs> as an ancient evil and the dog star as like ancient. Like, like think Wrinkle in Time, how the stars are fighting the darkness. I like the idea that Cruella left and while she was gone, she like sold her soul and got some oh, kind of superpower. And like manifested <laughs> as an evil demonic dog thing. It's like, well, I was traveling around Europe and I found an opportunity to turn my soul into a dog demon soul because I really hate those dogs so much. And now Sirius the dog star is out to like stop her. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> it was good. 